Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. I'm so excited for y'all to get to meet my next guest. Her name is Ravina Watwani. She's a mental health psychotherapist born in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and she identifies as a child of immigrants, South Asian Indian, an educator, a poet, an ally, a lifelong student, and she believes in breaking stigmas as an active process, that healing is a lifelong journey. She wants to decolonize our healing. And if you know her on Instagram, she goes by the handle decolonizing our healing. And, and she believes in radical softness, rest, unlearning that which does not serve us anymore. And personally, the healing power of people of color coming together to break intergenerational cycles of trauma. She's also a fellow Virgo, just like me, and I can't wait for y'all to meet her. So grab a pen, a notebook, get cozy, grab your tea or coffee or a glass of wine, and let's get ready to dive in. All right, everyone, I'm so excited for y'all to get to meet my next guest. Her name is Ravina Wadhwani, and she is a mental health therapist and a poet. She is the founder of Decolonizing Our Healing, and I'm so excited for y'all to meet her. So we have an amazing show lined up. Welcome to the show, Ravina. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I love your work and admire your work on Instagram and how I even came across to finding you as I was looking and craving for decolonizing mental health and other folks who were doing that online and that's how I came across your page. Can you share a little bit about yourself and your work with people? Sure, sure. So my name is Ravina and I am a mental health therapist uh, living in the Los Angeles area. I My work is specifically rooted in culturally specific mental health services. So I provide culturally and linguistically specific support, whether that's emotional, behavioral, or psychological, specifically to the South Asian community right now, but broadly to Asian and Pacific Islander communities as well as women of color. So that's most of my work is rooted in mental health services for communities of color or marginalized identities. I identify as a woman of color myself, I identify as a South Asian woman, and so this work is super personal and it's just really been amazing to work directly in the community. And I also, right now, I, as much as I can, I actively facilitate healing circles for survivors of gender-based violence as well as any folks who need support circles with other like-minded folks who are also dealing with things like mental health issues or mental illness, as it's called, as well as their family members who might need support. 
So I do direct services, but I also do education and awareness in the community. And I provide workshops and things like circles and just spaces where community can meet together and heal together. So that's more of my direct professional work. I also, outside of mental health services, I am a writer and a poet, and a lot of my work influences my writing as well. Oh, so beautiful. Definitely check out Ravina's work online. It's just much needed platform and healing circles. I love that you're doing, of course, work offline too, so folks can get connected to you that way. Ravina, how did your journey into healing begin and your why behind starting decolonizing our healing? Sure. So a lot of my work actually started from youth work. So when I was born and raised in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I noticed that there was a lot of scope for youth work and folks who were people of color working in communities of color, which is predominantly the communities that I was raised around, and I was noticing the impact there. And I started to understand how our issues in the community were affecting our youth. And so a lot of my interest in this field really stemmed from a child perspective and then understanding it developmentally. And so from there, I started to think, okay, maybe I can go into things like psychology or social work or something along those lines. The youth work expanded into things like working for nonprofits or trying to get an understanding of how mental health works in different institutions. So I had done certain work in community-based centers or nonprofits or anywhere where there was youth, but then I sort of decided to expand my scope and I started working with just a broader population um, in terms of a diversity of ages, done a lot of work in the school systems. And as you can imagine, when you're working with a child, you're often working with the family as well, whether that's directly or indirectly. And I started to kind of piece together what what it is that our families and our children were in need of in terms of really a more individualized framework of therapy or support, even if it just meant showing up to a young person's football game. We see a lot of issues in school systems in terms of the way that kids are interacting and some of the issues that get brought from the outside world into the classroom. We kind of see that play out. So I started to understand that therapy doesn't have to look one way. And I started to really get interested in decolonized frameworks, which really mean individual community centers stemming away from whitewashed theories and really, really looking at how we can heal by unlearning. And a lot of decolonization is understanding how we've been oppressed, understanding how we're colonized in certain mentalities, and really undoing that and seeing how we can serve our communities and our families and our kids better. That's incredible work and much needed, especially in these times using social media to get more awareness on the non-traditional ways that we've been taught what therapy has to look like and bringing in the perspective of decolonizing mental health. For some people who are newer to hearing the word decolonizing, healing, decolonizing spaces, can you, from your perspective, share a little bit more about what decolonization means and maybe even some examples of like the practical ways of unlearning Yeah, so the way I usually like to explain it, kind of in simple terms, is going back to understanding how the places we come from, or especially as a person of color or folks in marginalized identities, 
there's a lot of intergenerational trauma that we've been through, which means that, for example, our parents or our grandparents or, you know, our ancestors have been through certain traumatic events that sometimes we haven't healed through because we're in survival mode, right? You think of a good example I like to give is when you think about immigration and you think about the reasons people might flee violence from their home countries, or you think about things even as back as Holocaust or really, really big events that might have contributed to the way we're understanding trauma in our families. And so when you pass that down and it's kind of unhealed, right, there's certain things we pick up on the way that aren't useful to our healing currently. And so we have to kind of understand what is it that our, maybe our families or ethnic groups have been through. So intergenerational trauma is kind of a big part of decolonizing work. But more so than that, it's understanding that through our oppression and through these traumas or through certain ways that communities of colors have been pushed down or, you know, pushed out of the margins, right? That term marginalized comes from we're being pushed out in a certain way. It's understanding what ideologies or beliefs have been upheld. So you think about things like white supremacy, or you think about what are, what are these uh, Eurocentric beliefs that have been upheld that aren't really helping us heal and there aren't, and they might be holding us back from really upholding community care or Things like, you know, the family that I come from, we is South Asian. So we, I belong to a heritage of East Indian folks who traditionally heal through things like circles or just women cooking together in kitchens, circles of grandmothers talking. And that's healing. And that's, that's a lot of what's been not seen as valid in, in this field. There's a lot of collectivist culture that we lose when we immigrate to the U.S. or when we we shift from east to west. And because of that, we become individualized here. We are, the U.S. is is known to be very like me, 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 person-centered, our own individual goals, and we lose community in that. So we have to understand how when we, maybe in things like immigration, for example, how much we have lost on the way here to make a better life. And why is it that we're, we're immigrating in the first place? And what, what aspects of community get lost along the way? And so decolonizing mental health is really upholding some of those non-traditional standards of healing and, and understanding that we come from communities that have had healing methods in their generations. And so how do we kind of uphold uh, our traditions or our what's considered non-traditional ways of healing Versus in the U.S., there's a very westernized understanding of psychology and healing that doesn't take into account intergenerational trauma. It doesn't take into account how we've lost uh, connecting to other people. There's things like support groups that are valid, but even then, right, who's facilitating it? What does it look like? So decolonizing mental health really means upholding some of those non, what's considered non-traditional ways of healing the way you just broke that down was exactly how I've come to understand it too. I love that it's starting to really actually be something talking about in mental health. Boundaries look very different. Like a lot of the clients that I see and even myself, like you said, come from a very community centered group and our boundaries, you know, I learned it as in grad school as a mesh. And there's a shame that comes from having an enmeshed boundaries, meaning like everyone's up in each other's business, right? Or like everyone knows everything, but there's a, for us, it, it, that was part of growing up. That's part of our survival. That's all I knew. And then I was 
in grad school learning that my the way that my family has been operating all our lives was wrong. And yeah. it kind of got me confused as like, what are we doing wrong? So having even that realization that boundaries ha- has to be discussed given the cultural context of that person when you're working with someone individually or someone who is going to see a therapist, so important for your cultural background to be respected of what boundaries looks like for you and finding the middle ground. Like, and I had to learn what was actually healing for me and keeping some of the traditions of my family, you know, that, that closeness, that community there while also kind of navigating some alone, like self care time and like that being okay. That I, I talk to my mom every single day. There's no, there's no way around that. And I don't want that either. But I remember that was a shock to some people that right. I talked to my mom every single day. And it almost was like, if I wasn't as aware that I would have easily adopted the shame narrative. So mm-hmm. it's so important to talk about what you're talking about. So people like uh, you know us do not take and absorb that shame narrative. There's nothing wrong with you talking to your mom. That's where you come from. That's your roots. That's your ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, ex- that's a perfect example of how we unlearn certain things. I mean, you and I have both been in grad programs around mental health or social work, right? And how many times have we noticed that, you know, when you bring up things like talking to your mom every day, that's what my family has been, like, it's very unusual not to talk to your mom every day. Like, it's like, okay, well, that's, that's where you come from. That's your family. That's your circle. And there's, and we're, we're social beings. There's nothing wrong with not using each other to connect. Community is everything to me, at least. And there's so much healing that happens in even informal community circles, right? Being in, being in the artist community too. It's like, that's that's our that's our lifeline and in a way and there's nothing wrong with depending on others for support especially emotionally we're so taught that even with things like therapy right it's a very one-on-one experience but therapy isn't the only way to heal through certain things right we need to understand that people can really find community and find other people who have their back and that's not a bad thing it doesn't make you dependent your boundary isn't it's not that you don't have boundaries it's that you do you can balance that alone in self-care time, recharging and resting while also having your circle of people that will have your back and you can heal together. And I think that's, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. That shared experience Mm -hmm. is so important to the individual healing and the collective healing. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you think about generations we think about it getting with things like immigration or even even just how generations tend to get smaller and smaller because people are moving and people are getting away from the communities that they maybe started off with there's going to be some loss along the way but there's a way to bridge that when maybe they get to the to their community and there's a reason why there's things like community centers or cultural centers where people of the same ethnic identity might have a safe space to congregate or just be in community together and that in itself is not seen as valid in our western psychology and a lot of the reason why I think I even started the platform in the first place is to say that that's okay that permission Mm -hmm. that in itself is an intervention so so deeply necessary and needed yeah Ravina how are you shifting the narrative in the healing world with your work? Where is it going? Where is it trending? 
What are you excited about? What are you working on? Yeah, I'm excited because I think when we start to talk about these frameworks, people people do resonate and they say, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And there's a way to look back on how healing has not worked or maybe has had gaps that allow us to move forward in a way where we say, you know, today I'm going to rest and that's okay because our systems have not enforced rest as valid or today I'm going to go to my meditation group and that doesn't dependent. Or that doesn't mean I can't heal on my own. I see a shifting of the narrative specifically for the communities that are most affected by that loss of community. And so that's what makes me excited is just the scope of, I think, especially even in things like grad school, I wish I could have gone back and kind of provided more of that insight. But I think you learn as you go along. And I'm, I feel like it's exciting to just learn as you go and to stick to that framework. Because I think the more that we start to root ourselves in the validity of decolonized frameworks or community. That way other people kind of catch on and it becomes a little bit contagious. So that, that makes me hopeful. But in terms of, uh, I think my role in the healing field is just being able to hold space or facilitate for people of color, especially because there's a, sort of like an unspoken language in a room of women of color, for example, in the healing circles that I do. And it's a lot of people see that as a separate, isolated space versus a safe space. And I think it's really empowering to be able to share that to other women of color that this is okay. We have a right to be here. This is us kind of resisting against things that were against us, right? Spaces like that are super radical. And so I think it's really, I think people are getting the importance of it. Uh, So that's really exciting to me. That is very exciting, Ravina. I think, you know, for the listeners tuning in, I have had women reach out to me who come from immigrant backgrounds, who have resonated with my stories, also being an immigrant, and now you immigrated, your family immigrated. And so there is an unspoken shared experience from what we've gone through or our family has gone through, and therefore that it's passed down to us. And just being able to not have to explain the why and have to justify like, and there's just so much additional ways that we connect and that might not feel safe to talk about it. I might want to be in a therapeutic base held for me with other women who understand, and we can get to the details about what that feels like in a family system and the parts of us that need to heal from some of the things that we've seen and heard and what we want to unlearn and what we want to keep and celebrate. Yes. That's equally as important, right? When, you, when you're unlearning, you're also, it's kind of like, the, I use this metaphor of like a backpack, right? There's, certain, there's a certain weight in there that might not be needed to go to carry forward. But there are certain things in that backpack that you need for your survival or you need for just your validity of what you're going through or the mountains that you're climbing, right? And I think that it's okay to keep some of those things because they're actually necessary, but it's also okay to put some of that stuff away or down or just leave it along your path. So that's kind of how I see it. But I think, yeah, it's really nice to also just, I think part of like decolonizing is such a big word sometimes. And I think it's really just getting people to understand that showing up in your most authentic way is radical, right? There's so many systems that act against communities of color or marginalized folks that when we start to collectively heal together, collectively resist those frameworks. That's actually part of our 
survival. And I think a lot of psych programs and grad programs are just the way that we're taught about therapy, right? The way that it's portrayed, the way that it's seen in the media. There's so many ways that it's not that. It doesn't look like that all the time. And so I think it's a way of resisting against that. And it's kind of radical work. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And it's passing down the healing to the next generation that comes after us. It's a such a gift to be able to work together so that the work that you're doing is so incredible and necessary and needed. Where, Ravina, can people find you and find your work? Sure. So you can definitely find me at uh, Decolonizing Our Healing. You can also find me uh, around LA doing poetry, but that's basically the best way to reach me because I think from there, folks who have individual needs can always we can always work together to even be a resource to one another. And, you know, if folks ever need anything, they can always feel free to reach out. And I'll leave your Instagram handle in the show notes for folks to find you easily. Where do you do your healing circles with women? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm all around LA. I also have my own like consulting platform that I'm working on kind of re-advertising and remarketing. And in that way, the healing circles are usually based around LA. They usually take place in person, but now that things have kind of shifted, uh, they're virtual, so it becomes a little bit easier to access. So if you do follow me on my platform, I I will post about those things. And there's going to be other projects that are coming up. So with a lot of the work I do, I really invite collaboration for with like-minded folks who are kind of on the same mission. And so if folks feel like they want to help facilitate or they want to be part of that. That's, it's always an open invite. And it's always, especially if you are a woman or femme of color, it's always, always a, a pleasure to have people on board in, in the movement. Awesome. I love that so much. And Ravina, there's an incredible amount of women internationally just tuning into this podcast from all different walks of life, lived experiences. Is there one thing that's on your heart that hasn't been said that you would want them to know as a takeaway from you? Mm -hmm. I think the takeaway is that, especially with uh, women worldwide, there's so much that we contribute to the world around us that isn't seen as important as it is. I mean, things like even just birth, right? We, We have so much power within us to create life and to nurture life and I think we should use that power to nurture ourselves too, because we do, we go through so much even from, from the womb. Right. And so there's a certain life that often gets uh, narrated for us. And I think we have the power to use our, our voice and I think collectively come together using the way the world is restricted now to our benefit can actually be really powerful just to connect with other women worldwide and, you know, collectively heal together. I think it's important, especially for healers too. Women are often natural healers just by nature, whether it's by profession or not. Uh, We've probably had healing hands somewhere. So I think it's really important to emphasize that we do need to rest and we do have a lot of power as well. Amen to that. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to have you. I could talk to you all day, I swear. Yeah, it's so easy to chat with you. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you Thank for being you. here, Ravina. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I trust that you had some gems to take away with you today. 
And I'd love if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast to take a moment and go over and hit the subscribe button, leave a review. And I'd like to take a moment to thank a listener for a review comes from Tea Coffee, and she says Adit has a great way expressing her thoughts and sharing her experiences to help better people's lives. Highly recommend if you're looking for a wellness and mental health podcast. Thank you so much for your reviews. I definitely take each one of them to heart, and I am excited to continue to spread the mission of healing and make it accessible, empowering, and fun. And also, if you are looking for one-on-one coaching in wellness with me, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. We can set up a free 15-minute consultation. If you're looking for more, this is a great way for you to dive deeper into a life coaching session with me. Even one breakthrough session can really yield some answers for you moving forward in your healing journey. So take the time to check out my website, aditsi.com. Send me a DM on Instagram. I'm also very excited to just stay connected to you on all the social media streams. Have a great day. Stay blessed, stay healthy, and sending love and virtual hugs to all. 